Hey, what's up? My name is Jason. I'm the pastor of Church in the Wild. Thank you for joining us in the wild, where we have sermons, conversations, interests, all the things that make us who we are. Thanks for jumping on here. You matter. It's just super exciting. Like, we're in a pandemic. Optimus Prime is everywhere if you don't know this, right? And we're in the middle of this this Optimus Prime variant. I can't say the name the right way, so I just go back to my childhood and named him Transformers guy. Um, and it, we're in a snowstorm, and yet God is faithful, and God works, and God moves mountains, and God brings people, and God grows his church because that's what God does, and you can clap for God. It's okay, yeah. I am so excited about all that God is doing. Um, and I'm pumped. Uh, wasn't that video way better with my wife, right? Yeah. I have been trying, so you know, for a while for that to happen. And uh, man, it's just way better. I admit, like, I watched the video of myself just reading a verse and I'm like, man, it's kind of boring, right? Like, And then all of a sudden she comes in. It's great. So, man, I love that. couple scriptures couple scriptures. If I haven't met you, my name is Jason. I get to be the pastor here. We are on week three of this sermon series we are calling Who's Your One? And uh, we're reading Matthew chapter 13, verse 45. My sermon today is all over the map, so if they can't keep up with you, it might be with, with my notes, it might be a good time for you to grab your phone, write some stuff down, read the scriptures on your phone, or if you brought the, uh, the Bible, it might be a good, good way for you to go about it too, because I got a lot to cover and go fast. Matthew chapter 13, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding... Read this next word out loud with me. One pearl, one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now look at, at John chapter one, verse 45. John 1, 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Jesus in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Now look, one more, one more, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you write notes, if you circle things, read this, uh, he has lost how many of them? One of them does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Now let's pray. We'll jump into this message. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are gracious, kind, loving. You are just, you are righteous. And sometimes in our numbers-driven culture that we live in, we in the church can become guilty of not validating and not seeing the value of every one. But you see us and you value us. You value every one who walks in the door and every one who said, you know what, I'm not going today, it's too snowy. You value them. God, help us to see people like you see people. Help us, Lord, to see that every one matters to you. Speaking of one, Lord, 
there is one person today who brought me one really good cup of coffee. It was really good. Give him like untold blessings because it was good. And now I got either the Holy Spirit or a lot of caffeine because I'm ready to go. So Heavenly Father, bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I had a good cup of coffee today. Uh, By the way, did you notice the band was like all bros up here? We need to call them like the bro band or something. Some of them are single. Ladies, I'm not going to tell you which one. You just got to ask and find out. But a few of them are available. One of them brought me the cup of coffee. So if you're like, I'm looking for something, that's a sign from God. He'll bring you coffee. What else do you need? Aren't numbers funny? Numbers are funny to me. Um, you know, the, uh, the who day, the Cincinnati Bengals, they won last night, right? We can get up for that. Ohio's in, you know, they're advancing their divisional round. It's awesome, right? Numbers are fascinating to me. I love stats. I'm a big stat guy. Uh, so in the games, if they're like talking about stats, I'm like all in. Like, I just love numbers. They're, they're fun for me. Uh, today, uh, there is Matt Stafford playing against Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the GOAT. It's undeniable. Um, you know, he's the greatest of all time, but Matt Stafford is my favorite quarterback of all time, and they play each other, and they have all these numbers, all these stats. And I love some of those numbers, but numbers are also kind of like different for everything, right? Like Isla turns five this week. That's a big number to Isla. Like, it's a big number because every time I talk to her, she's like, Dad, well, you know, next week I'll be five. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so she's like setting boundaries on, well, Dad, when I'm five, um, I feel like I shouldn't have to do that. I'm like, you are four. Don't, <laughs> like, what? You're still four. I want you to be one still. But she's like, she's super excited about changing one number on her years of life. I also have a birthday this year. It is not five for me, and I'm not as excited about the number it is. Numbers are different, right? Uh, Sometimes we're like, man, we want a high number. What do we want a high number on? On our paycheck, but you don't want a high number on your scale, right? Numbers are different. Man, after the, uh, the COVID and after Christmas, I got on that scale, and I saw that number, and I was like, oh, no, I don't like this number. Numbers, they matter, and they're different. In basketball in high school, uh, which is about as far as I ever went in basketball, um, I wanted to be the number 33 because Grant Hill was the number 33. And I wanted either that jersey number, but I had a friend who wanted that jersey number. So I either wanted that one or I wanted number 55 because there was a guy, he played basketball for the Sacramento Kings. He had a really cool name. It was awesome. It was Jason Williams, and uh, he was, I was a really big fan of him, so I, I wanted that jersey number. But in soccer, I wanted the jersey number 10 or I wanted the jersey number 23 because David Beckham wore number 23, and number 10 is like the goal scorer guy, right? Numbers matter to us. And there's one number mentioned in all these passages that we just read, and it really matters to God. That number to God is of absolute importance. And sometimes in our world, because we are so driven by numbers, we can overlook the number that matters to God, and that is that number one. See, God values every one. So much so that he tells a, sh- a story about a shepherd, and I'm not going to launch into this whole thing, but, but if you're a shepherd, you do not leave 99 sheep in the middle of open country in a field to go find one unless that one really matters to you 
because sheep are about the worst animals you can possibly own. So if you leave 99 in a field, you're going to go spend the rest of your life looking for the 99 while you find the one. That's why the Bible compares us to sheep. It says all of me like sheep have gone astray. God's like, yeah, you ever try to take care of a sheep? That's what I feel like when I look at you. It's hard. But God says, I value the one so much that I'm going to tell you a story about a shepherd who says this sheep, this one sheep that has wandered off matters to me so much that I'll leave the 99 and I will move heaven and earth to find that one. There's another story that we just read and it was all about that pearl, that one pearl that the man finds. And this story, I think sometimes, again, we're so affluent that we don't understand the story. See, because now if you want to get a pearl, what do you do? You go to a store, you might spend some money. It might be a little bit expensive, but you might get a pearl necklace or pearl earrings or, you know, maybe you got like a a grandmother who gave you some pearls and it's, it's like valuable. But in this day, pearls were more expensive than diamonds. In fact, in this day, some of the most expensive stuff in the world was pearls and salt. It's where we get the the saying, he's worth his salt, because the Roman Empire literally paid their soldiers in salt because the salt was so rare. And pearls were even more rare. See, a pearl, you and I, we can go to a store and buy it. But back then, if you wanted a pearl, you had to be able to either pay someone or you had to be willing to dive down into the ocean and collect shells until you found that one and it would be a very dangerous process it's a very dangerous process and so when it comes to collecting pearls they're very dangerous to to collect at that time they were more than they were more valuable than anything than diamonds and they were considered to be the most beautiful thing in the world so jesus is telling this story and he says hey there's a man and he finds one pearl and the people then understand, like, oh, man, what he's saying is that, that he's finding this beautiful thing that's worth more than diamonds that costs so much to collect. And Jesus says, and by the way, you are one of my children, and you matter to me that much. See, Jesus always valued the one. Regularly on his ministry, he would stop for the one. You think about this story, he's... Uh, He's got a very rich, affluent citizen who comes to him and says, hey, my daughter's sick and I need you to help me. Jesus begins like a 22-mile walk. This man is so important that he's literally got an entourage with him and all these people, and in the middle of all of these people, one lady is on the ground and she reaches out and touches his, his robe and is healed of her sickness. And God shows us something that is so powerful. Jesus stops turns and faces her and talks to her. She's one person laying on the ground while everyone else has gone by. And Jesus says, not only will I stop, but I will turn and I will speak directly to your face and I will heal you because everyone matters to him. There's another story where, where Jesus is... Um, Jesus is walking and and there's a blind man on the side of the road and these people are all saying, hey, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. And Jesus, whoa, stop. I want to speak to that one person. And he heals him. Regularly throughout the Bible, Jesus shows us how important one person is to him. 
What does he do with his disciples? He goes to another uh, place called Samaria. These are the enemies of his people. He goes to that place and he sends his disciples into town. And he says, I'm going to wait for one lady so I can change her life because everyone matters to him. See, you couldn't find a pearl on accident. You had to really want to find a pearl back in Jesus' day to go find it. And Jesus says for us who are his children, I did not find you on accident. It is not as if God accidentally bumped into you in the night and said, oh, fine, I guess I'll rescue you because no one else will. He pursues you. He comes after you. He is passionate about you. And as Christians, if we want to help our ones come to the same Jesus who rescued us and who saved us and who delivered us, we have to also be willing to pay the price to rescue and point our one to Jesus. So when it comes to us talking about Jesus, we have to be intentional. It has to be something that us as children of of Christ are saying, you know what, I am going to on purpose tell people about him. We have to be accountable. Who is helping you reach your one? As believers, we believe no one should walk alone. So if you're going to talk about Christ, who is helping you in those conversations? And third, we have to be mature. We have to be mature. Talking about Jesus means sometimes we need to be willing to set aside good to accomplish what is best. So recently, um, I I was on an airplane, and I am not good at, at this. Like, I am not good at talking about Jesus on to random strangers. It takes me a while. Like, I need to have, like, oh, I know you. So usually I talk about sports a lot because I'm like, I know sports, so I can talk about sports. And often I'll be on an airplane, and I'll talk for two and a half hours about sports and never mention Jesus. And God was after me about this, and he said, you need to be willing to talk about me. So I was on a plane, and I was like, God, I really want to on purpose, begin to tell people about you. And you know how you got to go through the 57 lines and it takes two and a half hours and they got to make you take your socks off and I have this piece of metal in my heart so I can't go through the one thing and I have to show them a car. You got to do all that. I just tell them now, I'm like, look, I'm Iron Man. Like just, I can't go through there because I'm Iron Man. And they're like, yeah, go to that line. (laughs) And then they do the full frisk. Okay. Um, I'm like, I was in this line and I'm praying like, God, help me talk to someone about Christ. And I hear these kids behind me like, and I'm old enough that I can call college students kids, I think. And they're talking about this basketball game that they played in. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. These guys are college athletes. And like, they follow me through every one of those checkpoints. They got in the same line as me. They got in the same gate as me. And they walked down behind me, and they ended up sitting right beside me. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, I know about sports, and so you guys play basketball. (laughs) You know, like I'm trying to figure out how to talk to them. And so I began to talk to them, and one of them said, you know, we're talking about sports. And I said, what do you do? And this one was a coach. Um, and like, uh, like one of the trainers and she was like, oh, well I trained those three guys and you know, where I'm a part of their team. I'm on the medical staff. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So then she says to me, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And she said, yes, pulls her phone out and starts texting these guys. And I was like, uh, she says, we have a bet on what you are. And I bet that you're a pastor. That guy bet that you're a celebrity. That guy bet that you used to be a sports athlete, but you're not anymore. 
<laughs> and the other guy said, well, the other one bet that I was an entrepreneur. And I was like, okay. So she's like, I just won coffee because you're a pastor. And oh, cool. And I'm like still hesitant. Like, oh, yeah. And then she's like, so tell me about your church. I'm like, all right, so my church is called Church in the Wild. And I begin this whole thing about Church in the Wild. And I'm like 45 minutes into talking about Christ. And she says to me, you know, uh, I go to this huge church. It's a really cool church. And she said, I, I've never heard anyone talk about Jesus like you just did. She said, I'm not really interested that much in your church because I'm just coming to Columbus, but you just made me fall in love with Jesus on one airplane ride. That is not because I'm a natural at it or good at it. It's just because I was asking God, give me an opportunity. So this person now follows our church on social media and will comment on our stuff every now and then, all because I was just begging God, please help me speak to one person. Now, it doesn't always go like that, and I have to tell you that. It doesn't always go like that. Um, I love hearing Southern pastors talk about their stories about witnessing because it's like so easy. You know what I'm talking about? We live in the North. We live in Columbus. But in the South, everyone, you know, well, I was talking to Sister Sarah, and Sister Sarah said, you know what? I've just been hungry to hear about Jesus. And then I and I'm like, that does not happen in Columbus. So I was on another plane. It was right after spring break. And I had this book called Jesus Is. It's a great book. And I'm on this plane, and I sit down, and I open my bag, and I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read either my Bible or Jesus Is. So I, like, pull both out. And there's a girl sitting beside me, and she goes, oh, I knew I would end up by a pastor. And I was like, I'm looking at her like, really? I said, I'm so sorry. Like, I can put this away. I don't want to bother you. She's like, my uncle, and then she said her, her uncle's name, he's like, has a huge, massive church. She said, he's been praying that I would bump into a pastor because I just got back from spring break. And quite frankly, I did not quite live like Christ would want me to live. And I was like, oh, I said, well, do you want to talk? She said, no, I don't. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so I ended up giving her the book and she took this book and, and went on a different way. But it doesn't always happen that when you sit down and start talking about Jesus that people are like, yes, that's not always how it goes. But the point is, if we are intentional and we are accountable and we are mature enough to say, you know what, I really want to watch a movie on an airplane, but I'd rather talk about Jesus with you. God can move mountains. It's not always like this. I've been told more times than I can count that they don't want to hear anything about what I have to say. It, and my wife is so much better at this than I am. We went to eat uh, Thursday night. And there's a waiter and he's talking and all of a sudden my wife's like, you should come to our church. And like just, just in the middle and just starts talking about church. And she's very good at like, hey, this is what I'm going to talk to you about. And, but sometimes, this is what happens in our culture. Sometimes the devil lies to us and we say, "Why? I don't, I don't need to talk to them because it's just one person. It's just one person and I don't know what to say. But I'll tell you a couple more stories. Today's a lot of stories, and I don't normally do a lot of stories, but today is. A long time ago, in a land far, far away, in a totally different galaxy called the 1970s, I had a friend. He, was, uh, a, uh, he, was, he played football at the University of Memphis, and he was a boxer. And he was on his way from one party to another party. And as he was walking from one party to the next, he started thinking to himself, there's got to be more to life than just getting smacked around in football and, and partying. 
a man walked up to him in that moment and said, hey, I don't know you, but it seems like you just want to know something about life. And so he handed him a New Testament. He went to the party, hid it in his pocket because he didn't want anyone to know. Went to the party, came home and was like, that was kind of not just, it was just not fun. And he, he remembered the Bible. And he, he took the Bible and he said, God, if you really cared about me, you wouldn't bug me like this. And he threw the Bible against the wall. And it hit the wall and bounced and landed on his bed and opened up. And I kid you not, it opened up to the what? The story about the shepherd and the sheep. And he started reading that. He became a pastor. And in 2001, I was sitting in a college chapel questioning if God cared at all about me. And he preached a sermon called The Value of One. And I became a Christian that day. See, everyone matters. The one person willing to just say, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but here, have a Bible. It matters. Another guy who mentors me, I, have a, I, I talked to him on the phone a lot. He, was, um, a, he, would, he would hustle people at a pool hall back when that was like the thing. And so he would bring $1 to a pool hall. And what he would do is he would, his, his, the owner was his friend, and the owner would then pick a person and be like, that guy. And that, then the owner would like, hey, here, have a free drink to that guy. And that guy, oh, man, everyone here loves me. And then, hey, we should play pool. And then they start playing pool. And then eventually this guy would say, hey, here's a dollar. I'll bet a dollar. It's all I got. And that guy would say, I'll bet Ted. And eventually he would take every penny that the man owned, and then they would split it between the owner and him. One of the men that he ripped off invited him to church, so he felt bad, so he went. So on a Sunday night, he sat in the very back, and he, and he got saved. He then pastored one of the most numerically successful churches in America. He, 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 he was the president of a major denomination. He had, um, he's, he's preached to 20 million people in like 12 countries, all because one person said, you should come to church with me. And recently, he, so what he does is, um, now that he's done pastoring, he will pick certain individuals and he'll say, hey, I'm going to invest my time in you. I'm going to care about you. So recently he came to Columbus and he called me and he said, you're going to spend the next 48 hours with me. Okay. So I literally spent 48 hours just walking around with this guy and going to places. And at the end of it, he said, I, I want to mentor you. And so he started mentoring me. And then um, he speaks to like, thousand, like, like thousands of people at a time. He speaks in all these countries. And he said to me, hey, uh, there's this thing called Send Gathering, and you should come to that. So I went to the Send Gathering, and then I got invited this year. I'm going to speak at the Send Gathering. There's like 100 pastors, and I'm going to talk to them about what happened with my health last year. And he'll be there. And it's just amazing to me that I get to be a pastor today and I get to preach and help other pastors because someone gave someone a Bible and another person said, hey, you should come check out my church. There is immense value in one. And we should never underestimate one. And I know so many of us have been told that, that we're insignificant, but I can promise you, you are not insignificant to God. You are not a face in a crowd to God. You matter to him. No matter how insignificant others may have told you, no matter how unimportant you may feel, you matter to Jesus. You matter to him. You matter to him. And I love this passage that we read about Jesus because Philip says to Nathaniel, hey, I found the one. I found the one. Come, let's, let's go talk to him. And the man says like, uh, I don't know, can any good thing come out? And what does he say to, to, to him? He says, just come and see. Just come and see. 
And so this is what we as a church are going to do. On February 20th, we're going to have Come and See Sunday. We're not going to argue with people. I don't, I, the Holy Spirit will let, them, will let them solve these things within themselves. But what we're going to do is on February 20th, we're going to say, hey, just come and see the life change that God has done in my life. So what we'll do is we'll have videos. If you would like to make a testimony about what God has done in your life at Church in the Wild, we will play your video that day. If you're like, I ain't getting up here and talking like you do, we can do it on a video. We have some of these videos. And what we'll do is we'll play these videos and we'll, we'll worship a little bit and then we'll have uh, some baptisms and we'll say, this is a great time for you if you want to get baptized and you're like, man, I've been praying about how I help other people, how I bring other people to Christ and you're a follower of Christ. One of the best ways is for you to come forward, get baptized and invite people and say, hey, look at the life change in my life. Just come and see it. Another thing we'll be doing is we'll be dedicating. We've got a lot of engaged couples. There's something in the water here. So we'll be dedicating engaged couples' relationships to Christ. And as an engaged person, all you have to say to your friends is like, and family is like, hey, just come and see. Just come and see what God's doing in my life. I didn't even think I'd ever meet someone, and now we're dedicating our relationship to Him. We'll dedicate children that day. We'll dedicate families that day. We'll have baptisms that day. And all that we're doing is we're saying to our ones, hey, just come and see what God has done in my life. Come and see. So I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet right now. I hope that, that we all understand how valuable we are to Christ. You have immense value. Sometimes you get stuck in a line at Wendy's or wherever and you're like, man, I, they don't care about me. You're not stuck in a line with Christ. He cares about you. You have incredible value to Him. And so if you'd like to today accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today might be the first time that you fully grasped, He cares about me. You can do so by, by accepting Him as your Lord and Savior and simply praying a prayer like I prayed when that man preached. And I just said, Jesus, save me. I can't do this on my own. I cannot get to heaven on my own. I need you. Rescue me. And my life changed in a moment. And so if you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day. We'd love to help you with that. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I do need to get baptized. I've already accepted him, but it's time for me to make that faith public. And I want to let people know that, man, my faith is in Jesus. What better day? What better way to show others and invite others than just say, I can't explain the whole thing. Just come and see what he's done in my life on February 20th. Maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, I, I just want to dedicate who I am to Christ. Like, I've given Him my soul, but I want to dedicate my life to Him. What better way and what better day than on Come and See Sunday? When you can say to your friends and your family, I can't explain it all. It's too good to not believe, but boy, He saved me. And so, come and see. So I'm going to ask you to do right now. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up here. I'm going to ask you if you have a one. If you have a one that you're praying for, there's a person in your life that you say, I am praying for that one to meet Jesus. I'm going to ask you today to get uncomfortable and walk up here and pray that God will help you invite them on February 20th to come and see Sunday. 
I'm going to ask you to say, I'm going to move out of my seat. I'm going to walk up to the front, and I'm just going to pray. I'll pray with you. Our prayer team will pray with you. You can pray by yourself. But what I'm going to ask you to do is just say, God, help me give me the strength to, to pray for this person. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and today you realize how valuable you are to God, and you want to accept Him right now, in this moment, every head bowed, every eyes closed, would you just raise your hand and say, I accept Jesus as my Savior. I accept Him. If you would like to, to make the decision to go public in your faith and get baptized, I would like for you to come up here and pray with someone and let them know so we can talk you through the process. If you want to dedicate your relationship, I'd like you to come up here and pray. I hope there's no one in their seat by the time we're done. I'd love everyone to be praying for someone by the time this service is done. So they're going to worship, they're going to sing, and I'm just going to say to you, you matter to God, and your one matters to, to Him. So let's all come forward, let's pray, let's begin to work in relationship with God for our one, and let's begin to invite them to come and see Sunday on February 20th. Let's worship. You guys come forward and pray.